Welcome to the first episode and the return of the U.S. Gamer Podcast, the brand new podcast in which we talk about all of the things, not just RPGs. We're talking about video games in general. It turns out that there's more than to life than Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Persona, and whatever else we're talking about on Axe of the Blood God. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and with me today is Naughty Oxford. Hello, you probably know me by now. I am the staff writer for U.S. Gamer and resident shit poster. Katie McCarthy. Hi, I'm Katie McCarthy. I am a staff writer of sorts, I guess. I do a little bit of everything around here, I guess. And Mike Williams. Hello, hello. I am the reviews editor, and that's pretty much all I do. Mike knows who he is. You may recall, of course, that we previously had a flagship podcast. It was called From Us to You, and it was kind of a, a weird podcast, to be honest, because like it was kind of dreamt up as like, yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah. And then we were like kind of hanging out and talking about just random topics and such. And our posting schedule got a little bit irregular. And then we tried to relaunch it as more of a video thing. And that was taking up way, way too much time. And then we ended up tabling it for a while. And this is kind of our, our rebirth, I suppose, like, because we needed an opportunity to kind of get our faces out there to be able to talk a little bit and be able to talk about general games, um, something that we haven't easily been able to do in the past. Um, mm-hmm. In the near future, we may actually start streaming this, but to begin, we will be um, actually doing uh, just regular podcasting. And by the way, From Us to You is not gone. Um, this is using the original From Us to You feed. So if you look on your podcast app, you should be able to see from us old from us to you episodes if you really want to hear about the halcyon days of 2015 and 2014 <laughs> there you go good times listen to us talk about follow uh follow four or something like that um also you can go on soundcloud which we will also be posting on but this is the basic layout of the podcast we're going to be talking about what we've been playing shock 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 we're going to do some quick hit headlines and then we're going to have a topic and this week's topic is what what exactly we do we want out of a sequel? Because I feel like, or well, Katie brought this one up actually. She thought felt like Destiny Two and Splatoon Two were going. Eh, it's not. It's not enough. It's not enough of a sequel. So we're going to ask ourselves, what do we want out of a sequel? But first thing is first. Speaking of sequels in Splatoon Two, uh, Katie, how many hours have you been playing in Splatoon Two at this point? So, according to my Switch, I didn't realize this until I was just, like, looking at friends who were online or something, and I've apparently spent, like, 80-plus hours in Splatoon 2 already, (laughs) which is kind of crazy considering how recently that game came out. But then when I was, like, thinking about it, I was like, I am, like, playing this for a good, like, few hours every day, like, every night. Like, I would just be laying on the couch and just oh, I'm going to play some ranked for a couple hours and then, like, save and run if it's online because it's, like, timed or whatever. Uh, That game's, like, really sucking time out of my day, and I keep (laughs) going back to it, which is surprising. Like, I... I I, Usually after I finish a review game, I I just kind of naturally drop it. Like, even if it's a multiplayer game, it just kind of... It just happens, you know? You, like, play so much of it. Yeah, it's like, you play so much of it, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm good. But, like, Splatoon's, like, really kept my attention. Kind of like the first one did. Like, that, like, dominated my summer when that came out. Uh, and I'm just curious, like, how much have you all played of it? Probably not as much as me, I'm guessing, but... Nah, I haven't played nearly as much as you, but I've played some. I've probably played 10 to 15 hours at this point, because 
it's really easy to get sucked into it because I'll have my switch sitting next to my bed yeah. or mm-hmm. sitting next to me, my desk, and I'll be like, oh, I'm writing an article, writing an article. Oh, I, I need a break. Hello, Nintendo <laughs> Switch with Splatoon 2 on it. Yeah, the, and then, the portability is really devious, isn't it? It really is. And then, like, as much as everybody complains about the matchmaking, and I, I think there are, like, justifiable criticisms, the one thing it gets really right is how fast you can get into a game. And that is, and, you know, you just keep going, right? Like, it's so easy to be like, I'll play one or two matches. And the next thing you know, you've been playing like five or six or seven (laughs) matches. It just, it's, the matches are so quick and so addictive. Like, it really hits that sweet spot in terms of shooters. Also, I, the, this is actually a criticism of this matchmaking. There's so many times where I accidentally hit continue when I'm like, that was my last match. And then I was like. Oh. I can't back out. I guess I mean, you, you can. Suck, like, you can just <laughs> turn off your switch. It's okay. Oh, okay. I don't want to get like penalized because one yeah. time I did that and it was like, oh, that was pretty like, you know, whatever. It was yeah, like it a warning. A, it sends you like a passive aggressive message. Like, hey, <laughs> a Mr. So Rossetti you know, warning. <laughs> we've been watching you. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody does passive aggression like Nintendo. They're really good at it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I don't know what like because like the same thing kind of happened like has happened with Overwatch, which I've kind of fallen off of in the past few months. I think just because I played so much of it, like I poured like probably close to three hundred hours into Overwatch, but like I don't know, it there's just this really good feeling cycle of the matches, and the matches are super quick, which I super appreciate because there's so many multiplayer games where the matches are like fifteen minutes long, like. It'll, like, a match of Overwatch can be, like, pretty, pretty long, especially if you're doing, like, competitive. But, like, Splatoon 2 is just three minutes and you're done. And it, like, it happens super quick. Like, you spawn really quick and you're, like, in there and your specials come really quickly. And it's, like, a really, like, dynamic and quick and fast-paced feeling match. And that's so rare in multiplayer games because I feel like usually, yeah, like, matchmaking takes forever. Like, I... I was thinking back on, like, Titanfall recently, and, like, I remember Titanfall 2, like, as much as I loved it, matchmaking took so long. Like, it would just be... I'd be waiting five minutes between matches. It was, like, never, like, mm. super... It's not, like, instantaneous like it is with Splatoon 2. Yeah. That's what knocked me out of Battlefield 1, was, like, how long it could take to get into a proper match. Uh, it mm. was super annoying, right? Like, once you got going, it was like, great, this is fun, and so I'm gonna be playing for the next 30 minutes or so, whatever, but... The amount of time it takes, like, the amount of downtime and the amount of stuff, like, loading up everything and everything, is, it's, isn't that, is, it isn't great. How about that? <laughs> I, I, I find part, part of my, my issue there is it's, is it's very quick, possibly because I don't think Splatoon's matchmaking is all that great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it just sort of throws people together. Here's like, this, person, here's this together. person. Get in there. Uh, yeah. And we got we got eight people. Let's throw them on two teams. Are these balanced? No, not really. <laughs> not in the least. Fight yeah, there have been a few matches where it's like, oh, everyone on the other team is level 30, and I have a bunch of like level fives on my team. Oh, I guess babies. this is going to go great. <laughs> nope. That moment when you have a level one and you're like, ah, great. Uh, I'm yeah. about to be pinned right into my own base. We experienced <laughs> this last week when I like loaded up. I basically fired up Splatoon 2 multiplayer for the first time and then proceeded to stream with Mike and Katie. But I will point out that I killed both Katie and Mike during that game. So, booyah. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the master now. <laughs> <laughs> you're already the editor-in-chief. What more do you want? 
I, I do have a really important question for you all, and that question is ketchup or mayo? They both suck. Horseradish. Are you a a no-condiments person, Nadia? No, I am very... I'm a little picky about my condiments. I like mustard. I like like a horseradish. I also like... Okay, you're not going to get what this is. HP sauce. Oh, is that some weird Canadian thing? No, it's a Commonwealth thing that... Like, there's a million flavors in, in, in Britain, but Canada has a few. And it's like this really interesting sort of tangy condiment. And uh, it, it's, it's like a combination almost between ketchup and Worcestershire sauce. Like, it's it's its, its own thing. That sounds kind of good. All I right. like it. Katie, ketchup or mayo? A ketchup or mayo? I, I like ketchup. I like Wadi's tomato sauce. And I chose mayo because... I don't. I don't really have like a reasoning. I don't think I like mayo more, but I was thinking about. I was like, I feel like I technically consume mayo more on a regular basis. So, like in a way, I feel like I I like mayo more, even though I'm not like seeking out mayo for everything. Seek out mayo. I feel like and I like, I, I like Kewpie mayo. Like, mayo. what the hell is Kewpie mayo? It's like it's Japanese mayonnaise. It's not as. Um. I was about to say, I feel like we had this discussion because I called you a condiment hipster last night. (laughs) (laughs) I think we we had this conversation on our test episode that will never see the light of day. Yes, uh, there was a test episode of this podcast that we will never speak of again. (laughs) Rest in peace. But yeah, I chose mayo. Um, A lot of my friends chose ketchup. There are a few of my friends that, because on the on the the app you can see what your friends chose, which I, I didn't know until I checked it for like gear earlier, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You can see like who's on what side, and I was like, oh, all my friends chose ketchup. Oh well, <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. You know, yeah, all my ketchup friends are dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if we talked about this on the RPG podcast or like a stream or even the long lost test episode, but. It reminds me of the days when the Wii used to have their little polls or whatever. And yeah. like people would actually vote in them and it felt cool. This was a period before like social media really became a thing, right? Like Twitter did not come around until like 2008. Yeah. And Facebook was so basic and so simple. This is still like the MySpace era, right? Wow. So like there wasn't social media as we know it now. So the Wii was maybe the, the really the vanguard of that kind of thing, that being able to tap into the zeitgeist and ask people what they think about a thing. And, and it turns out that people really like to share their opinions on things. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was that was on the podcast for uh, Blood God last week because I mentioned the Check Me Out channel where people would make mm. their own me's and, you know, they'd all line up and pose and, like, people would put, like, big hairy men for the Princess Peach me's. Mike <laughs> <laughs> uh. shaking his head in despair. The end of Western civilization as we know it. It began with the Wii. <laughs> it will true. end with Nintendo somehow. Speaking of multiplayer games that like I cannot put down, um, I, I'm only going to talk about this briefly. Uh, in the in the past podcasts, we always had a a Cat Bailey Sports Minute where I would literally take one minute to talk about sports just so I can get it off my chest. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I guess this is my Cat Bailey Sportsman. I've been playing a lot of the NHL 18 beta, um, which has been, uh, yeah, uh, I cannot put it down. It's actually kind of ridiculous, like how much time I've put into that stupid game. And (laughs) it's actually getting kind of annoying. This is a thing that happens to me periodically. I will be playing a multiplayer game 
and I will get really, really, really into it. And then I start to feel guilty. I'm going, oh my God, I have other work I need to be done doing. I should be playing like all of these other games. Like these games are piling up right now. I could be playing, I could be finally finishing Persona 5, but I'm not. I'm, I'm sitting here playing the NHL 18 beta. Uh, how am I? I'm wasting my time. And then <laughs> finally, after a certain like, after it always happens where I'll be up until like two in the morning playing and then I'll go, no, I cannot do this again. Never again. I'm putting it away. <laughs> Done. I'm finished. And that is like my guilt cycle with multiplayer games. Does this happen to anybody else? Uh, it happens to me. Definitely. Oh, me too. Like, yeah. Like I was like, I cannot spend time playing this game right now. There are other games to play. Like, and it just like, uh, I've been playing Fortnite, but I can't, continue to play Fortnite because I have Batman the Enemy Within, and then I just got another code for Minecraft Story Mode Episode 2, and then there are other games coming in the rest of August, and ah, and I have Otakon next week, so there's no time. There's no time to stop and play <laughs> multiplayer games anymore. Especially come fall. And then what always happens is like fall will be happening. I'll be playing all of these games for review. I'm like super stressed out. I'm like, man, once I get all these games off my plate, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to properly enjoy this game or that game, or I'm going to finally finish Witcher 3 or whatever. The game's never and end then yet. The blessed Christmas break comes along and I'm like, yes, at last I have all the time in the world. Ooh, SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Why am I putting 100 hours into this game? I don't it's like know. like some sort of twisted time enough at last. You know. Yes. Time oh, no. You see SD Gundam. But I had time now. <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. That is the, the secret curse of playing games, right? I mean, or like reviewing games for a living. Like, you just got to keep playing all of the games. So you can't just sit yeah. there and focus on one particular game. Um, something that a friend of mine told me that will always kind of reverberate in my mind is he said oh yeah world of warcraft saves me tons of money and i was like i don't understand you're spending <laughs> what 15 bucks a month to play this game and he's like yeah but i could be spending like 50 to 100 bucks a month to play other games so you got a point yeah whatever like i put all my hour i'll put all my time into world of warcraft <laughs> That uh, reminds me, Kat, just uh, going back to hockey for a second. I told my parents that you're a Wilds fan. They want to know what's wrong with you. A Wilds fan? <laughs> yeah. What? Wild. Your parents are getting judgy about the Minnesota Wild? <laughs> Why? They're Maple Leafs fans, aren't they? Yes. I mean, there's nothing worse than that, to be honest. <laughs> no, you're right, and we all know it, but we're all Leaf fans. I mean, you guys, the last time you won a Stanley Cup was like, 50 years before we even existed so i don't know i don't think you guys have any room to talk no they're being judgy but i just thought you should know yeah and it's i really stand with nadia's parents <laughs> <laughs> oh come on minnesota wild are a great team I, I i thoroughly enjoy them um as for the nhl 18 beta uh i was actually really critical i was actually going i don't know it's not different enough but uh, it adds some things and uh, it's I think the thing that's really interesting to me personally is that compared to all of the other sports games, it's probably the most skill-based. Um, I feel like you can kind of, in the other sports games, you can kind of set it up in such a way that it's like, oh, I have found the optimal tactics. And so as long as I use these tactics, I'm going to probably be okay. Whereas in NHL, it's like, no, if like you can set up your defense and everything as well as you can, but if somebody's really good at deking and like 
dangling the puck and all that stuff, it does not matter. They are going to score. They're going to like <laughs> move around five of your guys and then they're going to put the puck in the net every time. And you just go, okay, yeah, there, I can't beat you. Are there fights and the guys hug it out? Yes, there are fights and the guys do hug it out. Aww. And you can also raise your hand like Street Fighter style and be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They even get black eyes and stuff. Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. Like, it can be really therapeutic when you're like losing by 10 goals. And I did lose some games by like literally 10 to 0 because like the people we're playing in the beta are ridiculous. Um, (laughs) It can be really therapeutic to just run somebody into the boards and then it'll go initiate fight. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to initiate fight. Come on, (laughs) come on. And then if you can knock them down, you can be like, okay, at least, at least I have that. At least I have that. Ice rage. (laughs) <laughs> Mike, you've been playing Fortnite. I have been playing Fortnite. I've been playing Fortnite off and on in between all of my other games. And there is a core of, uh, as I wrote in our, our early access review thing, uh, there's a core of a great game in there, uh, buried under loads and loads of systems and menus and other extra stuff. And like I can see how they got there, but I'm like, no one stopped to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no and, one slapped any wrists. Right. And then I like I, I I tweeted that and somebody else who is also a developer was like, Yeah, no, I remember playing that in Alpha and it was closer to that beautiful core that you talk about without all those extra systems, because they didn't have all that stuff. So I'm just like, ah, ah, I hate when, (laughs) like, and I I don't want to say ruin, uh, handicap is probably my best. I hate when developers handicap their own games. Because, like, like, have you ever played a game that you're like, oh, I kind of like, Splatoon 2 is actually almost like that to me. Same deal, like, the core of this game is great, but there are a bunch of odd, tiny design decisions that Nintendo made that just irk the hell out of me. And they kind of add up, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And- that's what I ended up giving it like a four instead of like, you know, a five. Cause like there's so much I super love about, but it's just, there's so much annoying little things. Like, and it's always, it's so Nintendo. It's so Nintendo, <laughs> <laughs> so Nintendo yeah. trademark. Yeah, so, like, Fortnite, like, when I'm playing it, like, playing it, playing it, like, in the actual missions, I'm like, ah, this is fun, this is great, we're we're doing really well. When I'm not playing it, like, outside of missions, wading through menus and messing with hero and survivor cards and upgrading and breaking up, ah, it's just, it's a slog. And they just need to do something about it. I don't know what, like, streamline some stuff, take some stuff out. Like, I understand you got your free-to-play thing. You need to 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 throw stuff in that direction. But there are other games that do free-to-play that don't, like, get in my way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so it's one of those games I'm like, yes, you should play Fortnite. But. <laughs> I disagree. I don't think you need to play Fortnite. okay well that's settled i think it's an interesting idea um like yeah they mash together minecraft elements with like left for dead with um i don't know like tower defense or something like that um or horde mode it's horde mode where like you're hanging out and you're 
shooting lots of zombies as they're coming. Not a terrible concept, all things considered. Like, uh, I, I think it's really great, but in, in that regard. But putting aside that, like, I don't know, like, the the art style is almost kind of cliche in a lot of respects. Yeah. Like, it's this weird mashup of Plants vs. Zombies and a little with a little bit of Overwatch, I Definitely. suppose. Um, like, that really kind of cheap-looking, cell-shaded kind of thing. Like, I think the reason that Overwatch was so successful was that is because Blizzard's artists are the best in the business they can they make, really are they make the characters look so expressive and yeah, so interesting and every single character has like their own little visual flair mm-hmm. like their every like frame of animation expresses who that character is from Junkrat to tracer to roadhog doesn't matter right right whereas like you look at a character in fortnite and they're like really generic looking right like it's girl like kind of adventure girl um or like i couldn't even tell you like what most of the characters look like they're they're very basic and then like katie and i were playing the game and it was like eh, this is kind of boring right like we built mm-hmm. we built up a little area we laid down some traps really quickly and then we stood behind a wall and shot zombies as they came in like it was just like, <laughs> like and, and i get it, it was still early but just we weren't really feeling it like we weren't feeling the tension we weren't really feeling the excitement. It was just like, oh, um, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I get it. They're going to, like, tune it. They're going to keep adding enemies. They'll keep refining the actual game. But, like, as first impressions go, it, it made a pretty negative one on me, and I just didn't want to keep going. I mean, would you agree, Katie? Yeah, I don't have plans to ever play a game again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found it, but I, I can see it getting better as it goes on as, like, obviously, like, you're tower defense stuff becomes more like integral because like we were pretty early obviously so it's like it wasn't as yeah like essential the, in a way you know yeah the but, early on you don't need to you don't need to to even build stuff in fact a lot of uh, vet players tell you not to as one of the tips don't build anything save all that uh save, save all, all the materials for later yeah <laughs> why do the materials not why why did they make a finite number of materials it's That's weird. it's kind of weird to me it it it's less that it's finite and more that there's no there's no free roam mode so all the materials you have are materials that you gain through missions and the missions themselves are timed if you want to get the best uh to complete all of the bonus objectives so uh there's sort of a give and take of of okay what's the point of this mission all right we all know what the point of this mission is good everyone break go find your own materials for the next 10 minutes (laughs) and then let's come back and do this thing and that's how most most of the higher level uh missions play out basically everyone just breaks and spreads out and goes hunting for their own materials and then like 10 minutes later everyone comes back does all the objectives and then finishes the mission it seems like that is something that they're going to have to account for in their design the fact that people are hoarding materials and are completely (laughs) unwilling to actually spend them because of the free-to-play mechanics that is a problem for epic yeah and then, like, the other game I'm playing is the opposite problem, which is Gigantic, which is, like, Gigantic just came out after, like, a year and a half of just turmoil for the developer Motiga. And Gigantic is 
just like it has one gameplay mode and it does that gameplay mode very well and the characters are well designed and that's great but it's one gameplay mode it's a moba yeah. right uh no it's it's uh, i think everybody knows it is a moba yeah, yeah it's it's really not it's one of those things like uh i'm trying to uh it's uh, moba i want to say it feels <laughs> it feels closer like like Paragon is more of a MOBA than uh, Gigantic is because there's no minions. Uh, there are rough lanes, but it's not played like Smite or Paragon or anything like that. It's more of just like an Overwatch style game in third person. Okay, so it's third person Overwatch. Yeah, um, more objective based, uh, basically. The gigantic part is from the big monsters at the end of each team's field. And by killing other team members, eventually your monster gets up, goes and attacks the other one, and then you you uh, attack the open weak point there. And that's how you win a match. Uh, by attacking the open weak points on the opposing team's monster. Uh, it's very, very good, but it's one game mode mm -hmm. that it does well. There's no... No other game modes. So it's, it's not like, like Overwatch where it's like every different, every map is just like randomly cycling through maps and like each map having its own particular play style and that kind of thing. Right. Imagine if Overwatch had launched with just like... A uh, payload. Escort the payload. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think people would get tired of it pretty quickly. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, this is like really good. And the designs, like you were talking about the designs of Fortnite, the designs are amazing. Like the silhouettes are good uh, for tactical purposes. The characters all look unique and distinct, but it's one thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I wrote both of those back to back, that was the thing. It was like, oh, wow. Like one of these games does, does one thing really well but buries it under systems. Another does one thing really well, but that's all it has. <laughs> and that's how yes. Mike managed to cheat and sneak in two games into the what you've been playing kind of segment. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good but Nadia is going to be able to sneak in multiple games because she has been in the middle of a project that I made her do. Um, I mean, oh, poor Nadia, right? Uh, yeah. She's been reviewing every game on the Super NES Classic in anticipation of it coming out at the end of September and none of us being able to actually play them. But, uh, Nadia, what has it been like going through Nintendo's kind of catalog in chronological order? Mostly very good. One thing that really um, is interesting is how the, the years attached to a game have very, very little to do with its quality. It's not like, you know... Oh, 1992 games are kind of clumsy the way those early NES games were back in the day and, like, you know... They, they just get better and better. I mean, it, it does in some ways. Like, you can kind of see Mario World is kind of a primitive-looking game next to the likes of a lot of the games that came out in 1995. Uh, but for the most part, there's been, like, a very... I mean, let's face it, Nintendo's choosing the best of the best for this this console, but there's a very consistent kind of level of quality going on with the SNES classic releases, with a couple of exceptions. The other day, for example, I reviewed Star Fox, and as I said in my review... That's a game, you can tell, like, the level design is good, the characters are great, of course, they're iconic, uh, but uh, just the, the the hardware did not age well. Age well. Doesn't um, hold up. 
uh, I, I hate to say that it doesn't hold up, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's like Donkey Kong Country. It's like, oh, this was a technical marvel back in 1994. Well, Donkey Kong, the thing about Donkey Kong Country is, I will say the original doesn't hold up as well, but I do love 2. I still love Donkey Kong Country 2. And I, I think mean, because it actually has decent design and doesn't constantly repeat its uh, boss battles. That too, yeah. Uh, I'm really disappointed that we have the original instead of 2 on the SNES Classic, but I guess that's a topic for another day. Hmm. But Katie, uh, oh, you sorry, sorry uh, Katie. You, I mean, you obviously don't remember the Super Nintendo very much. So, like, I'm curious, kind of like what your perspective is on SNES, like nostalgia and like the games in general. I mean, I, I'm like a baby, so yeah, I, I never, I never had any Nintendo Nintendo consoles growing up, aside from like a Game Boy Color and like Game Boy Advance. So I like missed out on a lot of things. Uh. And, like, I've only played two games on this, like, SNES Classic. Like, I played uh, Link to the Past and Super Mario World, and I did not play those on the SNES. I played them, I think, on, like, Game Boy ports or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I want one. I, it's, I probably won't get one, obviously. <laughs> I, I can already anticipate it's not going to happen. Because, uh, like, I've always wanted to play Earthbound, which I've started so many times, I feel like. You have a DS, right? Things. You have a 3DS, right? I have a 3DS, You can yeah. buy it on there. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I really lo- I really love playing <laughs> SNES games on the 3DS, just saying. I think it's only the yeah, new... Yeah, that seems like a good console for it, definitely. The new 3DS is the only one that can download the, the, the SNES games, right? I can't remember. Yeah, I have a new 3DS, oh, okay. so I could technically do that, so... But, yeah, I don't know. I want one. I It's, it's weird, like, Nintendo nostalgia has always been weird for me, because it's, like, super... I just don't... It's not... I don't have any of it, you know? It's, like... It's kind of, like, this weird blank like blind spot so you are the like you are the country or or the uh you are britain in in one person because i find britain (laughs) is like that too uh you always have british people saying oh the nes wasn't that good because they were all into like sega and the zx spectrum Mm -hmm. well i never they they're divorced from the nostalgia so they tend to be a lot more critical of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like i guess that's like my 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 views like oh i don't have like this weird like like rose tinted glasses view of nintendo stuff um because of that because i didn't like grow it's not it wasn't like a beacon of my childhood like i i grew up like playstation games so i guess like oh that's that's, that's, kind that's of even like, worse yeah and <laughs> yeah. honestly honestly like i don't even like remember play, playstation games that fun yeah so some of like, some of the early ps1 games like you go back and look at them and i'm just like i mean i know you guys were doing what you had to with the technology but <laughs> Oh. Well, the thing with, with PS1 oh. nostalgia is if you are an RPG fan, it was the greatest console of all time because it brought so many JRPGs to the West. Thanks to Super Final Nintendo Fantasy. or the PlayStation? The PlayStation. Uh, the PlayStation. I mean, it made JRPGs what they are today, but the Super Nintendo, I think, is a better console in, in general for like uh, RPGs. But. Yeah, a lot of the RPGs that came over were kind of trash, but at the same time, like it was just really interesting to finally see all these games come over not only did it bring jrpgs over it made it the biggest genre yeah which like is yes. like crazy to even think about now it's like oh yeah like final fantasy 8 was the biggest game going in 1999 like yeah. by far but yes we this is a topic that we've discussed many times before but like i think i think the interesting thing about going back and just kind of going game by game is kind of being able to see like every console has a life cycle and kind of an arc and you see like at the beginning where 
the developers like are like oh look at this new technology and let us like kind of like play around with it and get like steadily better and then there's kind of a peak where like they're like they've become very comfortable with it and they're also still being very creative and then there's the end life stuff where it's like they've mastered the technology they've pushed Mm -hmm. it as they've wrung as much juice as they possibly can out of it and maybe there's some like really amazing games coming out like chrono trigger and that kind of thing but for the most part, it's a lot of sequels, right? Yeah. And we're actually getting to that point where the, uh, I would say with this generation, I would say that this generation has now officially passed its peak. Like we are no longer, yeah, I, you saw it at this past E3 where like there weren't like the announcements weren't like super exciting. A lot. It was actually quite predictable for the most part. We weren't seeing a lot of surprises. That tells me that, developers have kind of like settled in right and they're like going with what works on like the ps4 and the xbox one and they're kind of riding it out until the next round of consoles comes around well it's gonna be a while 2018 is the peak because 2017 has been amazing i mean 2017 has been amazing i'm saying that we are in we've hit the peak and now we're on the downside and don't forget by the way that a lot of 2017's amazingness has been because of player unknowns battlegrounds which was on the pc and Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was on a console that literally just came out. Okay, so that's not on the PS4 and the Xbox One. No, but you guys still got Persona 5 and Nier Automata and all this, you know... Yeah, there's like a lot of... and like. Yes, Horizon you're totally right. Games that we've been waiting for for ages to come <laughs> out are finally out. And it's like, okay, what's next? Hmm, interesting. Dancing all night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, and actually, on that note, uh, we'll be he- doing some quick hit headlines in the next segment. Well, we will be right back. And we're back, uh, fresh off discussing the future U.S. Gamer office in New York, which will apparently be a (laughs) cat-friendly office with towers and all of those things. I look forward to our cat-friendly future here at U.S. Gamer, but we are going to do some quick hit headlines really quickly. First, Persona 3 and 5 are both getting dancing games. Katie, you're a huge fan of Persona 4 dancing all night. Quick take, go. I like that game a lot. I don't think the dancing game, that like actual rhythm game in it, is that great. But it, it was isn't. like this. Re- yeah, it's it's really bad actually. To be, like, <laughs> perfectly honest, as someone who was like a big fan of rhythm games, but it it was like this really fun, like self aware outlet for like these really cool like remixes from really cool like Japanese DJs, and it had like this really cool like visual novel component that I really liked. That was like this nice like little epilogue to that went on and on and (laughs) i liked it and i liked the the story entirely too seriously but it was fun yeah like i yeah i thought it was super fun i like the new characters in it i like how you could dance to the juno's theme (laughs) it's just like like, it was a super like adorable fun little thing and like while i was playing i was like man i wish like persona three got one of these and now both persona three i love how they went back to destroy persona three's dignity yeah, and Persona 3, I feel like, is hilarious because it seems like the most, it doesn't make any sense. Like, that, of, of all the Persona games, I feel like Persona 3 probably makes the least sense for that format. Um, and I don't, like, who knows if these will have, like, visual novel components, too. Like, I kind of hope they do. I don't know how Persona 3s would work, but, you know, whatever. And I'm looking forward to those, to be honest, so. 
really quickly, Persona 3 or Persona 5, which has the better soundtrack? Go, Katie. Uh, 3, totally. Uh, like, 3 still is the best one, hands down. Nadia. Uh, I, I have to admit, well, I, I have listened to 3 a little bit. Like, I have, like, I listen, I hear it through RPGGamer.net, uh, which I listen to, like, for game music, but, uh, God, just listening to 5, and, like, I have 5, I have Rivers in the Desert on my iPod, and, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Life Will Change is a great fucking song. It just gets me pumped mm. every single time. Persona 4 is the best soundtrack. Mike. I can't argue that either. <laughs> uh, okay, Dragon Quest sells 2 million copies in Japan. That's a lot of copies, uh, given that a lot of new games like sell you know, a few hundred thousand, and they're like, oh, they're turning cartwheels, because that's amazing. <laughs> but Mike, yeah. you don't think that it's actually that high, all things considered. Well, okay, so so it is high. It's 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 far higher than most other games, as you point out, which is why a lot of people were like, "Oh, Japanese developers should just focus on Japan." They can't because Japan is an island. They don't have that many people, <laughs> and games don't tend to sell a lot there. But Dragon Quest two million, uh, one point one million of that was on three DS. Nine hundred fifty thousand was on PS four. But if you look at some of the old sales. That's kind of down from uh, the heights, uh, which would be uh, Dragon Quest VIII uh, and uh, Dragon Quest uh, IX, mm-hmm. uh, which were the, the last two uh, story entries. So Dragon Quest IX sold 2.3 million uh, for that first week, and Dragon Quest VIII was, I believe, 2.3 two million so it's slightly down uh which is uh less of a uh an issue but maybe like the the problem is uh both of those had a single platform that they were selling Mm -hmm. on and this is split across two platforms which probably points to i mean if it were on one platform it would sell two million copies right uh, but like right now, we're Japan has this weird platform split uh, between 3DS and PS4, and maybe the Switch is the answer to that for them. But right now, there's like two markets that really don't overlap. And in fact, Dragon Quest, the latest one, is two completely different games on 3DS and PS4, mm-hmm. like. The 3DS version is a lot closer to the older Dragon Quest games, because uh, it has like the, the overhead style like map, then you're walking around. Whereas the PS4 version is more what you would expect from a modern, updated Dragon Quest. Uh, and so it's 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 really weird, like looking at the sales of this because the they're two very different games carrying the same name but the same plot same characters and stuff like that like they don't really 100% play exactly the same so what people are wondering is how much overlap is there mhm mhm i mean From i don't that, think people really understand like what the difference is yeah so so like like how many players are avid Dragon Quest players and bought both the PS4 and the 3DS version. Because a lot of importers, we know, did. Uh, anecdotally. 
So, yeah, it, it, it's very weird. It's very <laughs> weird um, looking at the numbers. I think it'll continue to do well, and and as as we've pointed out, that's far far outstripping pretty much everything else that has come out outside of maybe Monster uh, in Hunter. Japan. Uh, Splatoon two did oh, like six hundred and yeah, six hundred thousand copies. Yeah, yeah, six hundred forty-eight thousand, and that was that was mind blowing right there. Uh, a lot of Japanese games in Media Create for debut tend to not even break a mm-hmm. hundred thousand. So wow, Nadia, PS4 or 3DS version, which or both? Well, like the girl in the taco commercial, why not both? <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing See, the. That's the. <laughs> I'm getting the PS4 version. I'd probably start with PS4. Or Switch. Yes, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'm just so conditioned to play RPGs on the go now that it's like, I don't know, maybe I should hold out for the Nintendo Switch version, which is ostensibly coming out. That's the other question. How much will the Switch version sell? I mean, considering the platform, what, has 1.2 million users in Japan. And uh, everybody will have already purchased it. Right, for the other two platforms, and the Switch version, as far as we can tell, is like a weird melange of the two, because mm-hmm. it's not as robust as the PS4 version, but not as retro-themed as the 3DS one. Mm-hmm. So, Indeed. Yeah. Okay, last uh, next headline. Capcom is starting to prepare more games for the Nintendo Switch. Apparently, Street Fighter sold well enough. To convince them, I would also say that they probably looked at the actual platform sales numbers and went, huh, perhaps we should put our games, which are perfectly suited for the Nintendo Switch, onto the Nintendo Switch. This is a thing that maybe we should do. That would be wise. Uh, (laughs) Why not look into bringing back Rockman? Capcom? Uh, uh, Looking at the numbers, Mega Man does make money. Honestly, Mega Man (laughs) is a weird thing in that Japan, I don't think, cares about him anymore, but America is nuts about him. Like I've said in the past, in Define my articles... nuts. And there is a WWE, there is a WWE right? wrestler, TJ Perkins. His whole thing is the me- is a Mega Man. Like It's not Mega Man explicitly, but he uses the Dr. Wily's like, number one castle theme from Mega Man 2. Not like, note for note, of course, but you can tell it's that. Is that a reference? Is that him going, I am nuts for Mega Man, or is that him going... I know that people are into the NES and are into 8-bit nostalgia, so I'm just going to use this thing that is heavily associated with the NES. Both. I mean, think about it. Mega Man is associated with 8-bit nostalgia, which is, you know, really hot right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, let's not has, forget. I mean, it has been for like a decade. I would say 16-bit nostalgia is in now. 8-bit <laughs> nostalgia is done. 16-bit all the way. Super NES well, good classic. Thing, Here it comes. Mega Man X has the, uh, you know, 16-bit <laughs> nostalgia going on, too, and that's going on the, the SNES classic. So... I mean, Cat, come on, give me give me some credit here. Like my husband runs the Mega Man Network. I've been a Mega Man fan online since 1995. I kind of know the pulse of the fandom. You are in the top one percent. You are in the top point one percent of Mega Man fans. Not a you freaking wrote a book about. It. You literally wrote the book on Mega Man. I mean, I did, come on. But so Mega Man. Looking, Capcom releases all of these numbers. The highest selling Mega Man title is Mega Man Two. 1.5 million copies. That's Mega Man 2 on NES. So 1.5 million, that's number 48 out of Capcom's like top 100 games that have sold over a million. The next Mega Man game 
is Mega Man Battle Network 4 with 1.3 <laughs> million copies. So, so it, it's not like, like, uh, and then after that, Mega Man X. With How did 9 do? Again. Uh, 9 is not on this list. It tops out at 80. So, Capcom, all told, has only released 80 games that have broke a million copies. Yikes. Uh, Mega Man 3 is the last one on the list at 1.08. So what you're saying is that there's a lot of heat around Mega Man, but it's not necessarily like, you know... Yeah, yeah, right. and that's that's totally understandable. All you really have to do is... I'm not saying like, oh, let's have a, a full AAA release here. It just, you know, a downloadable title would be right perfectly yeah, Cap- fine. The, the issue is one, yeah, that I, I brought up in my thing about Capcom before, is that Capcom is like a lot of publishers where they don't do that B-level mid Like, mm-hmm. they want all the money or no money. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so... So, like, there's definitely, like, Capcom could probably pull out, like, uh, a good digital-only Mega Man, maybe a Final Fight game, Super Ghouls. And, like, they have a lot of games that they could, if they threw, like, a, a, a 20-man team at, they mm-hmm. could probably make some good money on the side, but they don't. Yeah, they usually port their just like stuff to mobile, and it's usually trash. Yeah. Yeah, they need yeah. to do a better job of managing their properties. They uh, really do. Much, maybe they could take a page from Nintendo, which um, stuff like uh, the NES Classics Collection, for example, like is a really good example of like keeping it in the public eye. I think mm-hmm. also Capcom has had a problem where like. There maybe the quality of some of their games has been a lot more variable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as a result, like that has hurt the cachet of the of the original retro franchises. Like Mega Man, they just they gutted Mega Man. Like they mm-hmm. they treated that they treated that franchise so badly. Same with Bionic Commando, to be honest. Like when they tried to make it into a AAA thing, and it just was oh, like, God, yeah, that, that went well. Good job, guys. <laughs> like. I would say that the Capcom retro franchise that has maybe the most kind of mind share, I suppose, to use a buzzy term, is Street Fighter at this point. And even Street Fighter Five, like the Street Fighter Five community, Street Fighter community is like, oh my god, I don't like Street yeah, Fighter Five. And they're on their way to destroying uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. The game's not even out yet. Yeah. yeah so, I, <laughs> like, I, I think there's there's a way forward for Capcom. Like, I think if they were smart, they would license these games out. Mm-hmm. Like. There's definitely a Japanese or even American indie developer that would take Mega Man and do something oh, yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or Final Fight or whatever. Um, you just have to like give it to somebody, and like that's a low effort. Like you don't even have to develop it. You just get the licensing fee and call it a day. People have been saying that like the way that Nintendo. Uh, treated Mega Man in Smash Brothers, like with his Final Smash and everything, was like so much better than. The way yeah. Capcom itself has treated Mega Man in the past like decade. When they did the anniversary where they like basically took the fan game Mega Man Cross Street Fighter and gave it a an official release. Yeah. And I mean, like I loved that idea. Like I loved the idea behind the game. And it was so hilarious to fight like Ryu in like with like an eight bit rendition of the Street Fighter theme and everything. Like it was a great bit of yeah, fan it service. Was cute. But as a game it actually wasn't that good. Yeah. I remember playing it for yeah. one up back in the day. Yeah. Yes. So, but it looks like what Capcom will instead do is port old games over again. Uh, they just announced Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2, which is also coming to PS4 and Xbox One 
is coming to the Switch, so you can expect to see Mega Man Legacy Collection, probably the Disney Afternoon Collection, Legacy all that collection stuff that too. they've already yeah. done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just poured it over to the Switch and shoved out the door <laughs> at probably the same price point, despite the fact that you know there are games that are already out elsewhere. Well, I've been saying all along that Monster Hunter is going to be their killer app. Um, and it's going to be one of the Switch's two killer apps, at least in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the 3DS won, ultimately, because it got Monster Hunter and the Vita didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that, was a, a that was a huge factor. Coup. Yeah, yeah it and it'll be coup. interesting, because we get uh, Monster Hunter X for Switch, uh, but the main Monster Hunter team is apparently working on Monster Hunter World. I thought it was just like an extra team, but no, it's apparently the main monster. They're going, they're going all out to finally get the West on, on mm. board. Right. Which is a, uh, that is such a gamble. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it might but, work, but a co-op I mean, action game where you're fighting giant monsters and you're playing out on your PS4. And then if it's, if they get it right, it's going to be good. Like, what can I say? Like they've been making these yeah. games for so long. I mean, like, the, I mean, the concept is gold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, like, you get four people together to play Monster Hunter, like, co-op is the thing. So, I mean, I don't think it's a particularly a gamble to try and finally get a big market with this thing, mm-hmm. given, like, how big it is in Japan, and to maybe, like, soften the corners a little bit and make it a little less esoteric <laughs> than Monster Hunter currently is. I don't know. Yeah. I I think, like, the weird thing when they announced Monster Hunter World is, like, they I feel like they have this view of, like, Western games just being these like ugly, very brown, muddy type things. You like, mean a just, thing it, that was like, like ten years ago? Yeah, yeah. Like it, I feel like they just like sapped all the personality out of Monster Hunter. Mm. Like uh, from what we've seen so far, like very well it could be not what we've seen, but it was just like and that was like a controversial thing, right? Like all the f- a bunch of fans were kind of like, this doesn't look like Monster Hunter. This looks like a western developer making monster hunter yeah capcom seems uh, to be like 10 years behind the trends in general mm-hmm. like for example yeah. hey let's put our games on mobile even though no one wants them there <laughs> yeah like they, they could have very well just like made like a very big monster hunter that lo- is on ps4 and looks really good mm-hmm. but they like have changed like the visual like stuff entirely and just looks kind of weird i don't know I'm, I'm interested to see more of that obviously but yeah all right, last little note. Long Dark is out, um, but you wouldn't really know it given kind of the lack of buzz around it. And I think, I, I think the, I think part of the problem is that it's kind of been out two years in the minds of many people because of early access and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's been a very strange release. Uh, Katie, I know that you're going to be picking up later tonight to give it a shot. Yeah, and it's it's launching with two story episodes so it's finally getting a like narrative campaign like an episodic narrative campaign which i'm interested to see uh, more of obviously as i dive in tonight to see what what's up <laughs> what's up i don't know like long dark i don't play survival games in general but i think long dark is maybe the one that i will make an exception for because yeah. i mean it really is beautiful and it seems to like contextualize survival in a really interesting way from what I've seen of it. Because um, I, n- I never played it when I was in early access because I was always like, I'm going to wait for the full. Yeah, same here. It just like never came <laughs> until now. Uh, but it, I've heard it's like a survival game that does like survival, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is rare. So, yeah, because like, the, the, the uh, 
dude at the front of Hinterlands is uh, creative director Raphael von. I, I'm sorry, Raph, if if I say your name. Raphael von Lyra. Lyra, Lyra. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but uh, he previously worked on uh, Far Cry Two. Uh, which was one of the more survival-focused uh, ones, and he left Ubisoft uh, early in the pro. Uh, and actually, you can find that interview on US Gamer early in uh, Far Cry 3's development because they wanted to go in a different direction mm-hmm. instead of more survival-focused. So he's probably been, you know, batting this around. Far Cry 3 was 2013, I want to say. He's been battering this around for years. Oh, man. Far Cry 2 really is secretly a survival game, isn't it? It is. It was a survival game before survival games were a thing. That's really interesting. Oh, man. You just opened my eyes, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Look forward to our Long Dark coverage on the website. And, of course, Katie is going to be doing a Field Notes column. If you have missed her previous Field Note column, she's done Tokyo Jungle and Stardew Valley. So I look forward to her thoughts on the Long Dark. But... We are going to continue on to our main topic. We'll be right back. Okay, this week's major topic, which is what exactly do we want out of a sequel? Uh, Destiny 2 and Splatoon 2 are Oh, let's see. Splatoon 2 is out, and one of the major criticisms of it is that it is too similar to the previous game. But I guess the question is, if it does a solid enough job of refining the previous formula, is that enough, or does it need to have a new gameplay mode, or I don't know what? What are your thoughts on this, Katie? Because you're the one who proposed this topic in the first place. Uh, so my, my thought... I, th- I feel like, honestly, Splatoon, it refines enough and it adds horde mode. And, like, I, I kind of wish the single player had more to it, but it- it's still fine and it kind of expands on some of its ideas. I do think it would have felt more like a sequel if it fixed its matchmaking, which it did mm-hmm. not do. And I think that's, like, what most of the criticism lie in is, like, you can't really... It's not easy to group, with- group up with friends and it's not easy to... And, like, to group up with friends and ranked is, like, gated behind, like, being rank B minus and there's like all these little things and I think honestly if they had fixed a lot of because matchmaking improves did not really change from what it was in the first platoon and that's kind of frustrating because like although it's it's like a new console there's like all these new opportunities and they didn't fix like the main criticism the first game even had yeah it's like they just kind of like tacked on new stuff and they're like oh this will this is a sequel but it's like you have to fix the stuff that like it's a tr- make an effort to fix what people did not like about the first That's game. That's Nintendo. Yeah, and it's. I honestly think if they had fixed matchmaking, that wouldn't have been like the common nar- narrative in like all the reviews around. It's <laughs> well, like, yeah. oh, it's feel like a sequel. It's like if they fixed matchmaking, I feel like people would be like, oh, finally, this is like what Splatoon should be. From the That's start, now it's on Switch, and like you can like the matchmaking's all good, and they improve the online. Perfect, awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good job. Yeah. Man. And, uh, I mean, I've always I had a term for it. I always call it the shackles of success and that once you have something that works, uh, you have to move it forward a bit, but you mm-hmm. can't change it too much because you'll piss the fans off. <laughs> um, Pokemon. So you're kind of, like, stuck. But even then, like, a lot of games that have classically 
been given this, oh, it's the same thing every year, or, or oh, the sequel's exactly the same. It's only that way if you're not a player of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can't speak to say the Maddens or, or, or things, but Cat <laughs> talks about the, the, the changes. Uh, the, problem in that like, sports, uh, uh, the problem that sports games have is that, you know, they put them out year after year, right? And uh, yeah. essentially, it's going to be the same game every time um, with refinements and maybe better graphics. Um, and at this point, though they are platforms and they kind of wipe the slate clean every year with their ultimate team kind of stuff. And so it's like, Oh, we've wiped the slate clean. Um, you get to start all over with your, your players and you get to rig packs and, but we got some new players for you to be able to get. And also like, we've got a new, uh, we've got a new mode or some like new, like feature kind of thing. Um, but actually, one thing that sports games have been doing more recently is FIFA and Madden both have story modes now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, FIFA last year introduced the journey, and this, the journey is like a story of this kid named Alex Hunter who like goes from you know like a trialist kid who makes it into man uh, into a soccer team of your choice, and like eventually becomes a star and wins the FA Cup. And now, like the sequel, Journey Two is coming out <laughs> and so it's like oh now he's an international superstar and all of the like big clubs are coming after him and Journey how Parker. is stardom changing him it's, it's a very sports movie kind of thing <laughs> but right. it for those who are like oh yeah oh good yay i'm gonna pick up the next version of the same game like they can at least go oh look cool new story great and, and i think for a lot of people just having a new story maybe is enough right like because mm-hmm. there are so many people who play like call of duty like they buy call of duty they play through the story over the course of eight hours they pay maybe like one round of multiplayer then they're done that's it they got right. all the enjoyment they wanted out of it and, and see like that that's why like like call of duty and battlefield are, are games that come out every year and if you look at them just like oh they all play the same because yeah i mean they're first person shooters uh but like if you really like look at them and how the player bases move and and, and uh, how multiplayer is, they are different games for the people that play it. Mm-hmm. Which is why mm-hmm. there are players that haven't left like Black Ops Three mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or haven't stopped playing Modern Warfare or whatever. Yeah, I think Black Ops Three actually at one point or either surpassed the sales or surpassed the concurrence of uh, Infinite <laughs> Warfare. <laughs> right yikes so so like like when people are like ah splatoon is the same thing i i can definitely see where it's coming from but i also see how nintendo at least added enough that i'd be like ah i mean that's a sequel i mean are they justified in charging 60 dollars for a game with like yeah i get on the back end they're doing a lot of work to fix uh like problems from the previous game and like uh develop new maps and everything but is that in this day and age like a 60 dollar proposition uh i mean the only thing that i'd say that splatoon 2 missed that some of the other like games that tend to get hit with the same issue is is it's the same visual style. Mm-hmm. Like at least the battlefields and the call of duties and the assassins creed like switch to a completely different era or visual style with new weapons and all that stuff. Whereas Splatoon 2 is still very much in that same, like, 
visual wheelhouse that the first game was. Um, like if maybe they switched it to like seventies or eighties, like <laughs> yes, uh, uh, visual like like clothing styles and stuff like that. That might have mm. probably given them a little bit more room to be like would have deflected some of that criticism of hey, this is just Splatoon one point five. Yeah, Splatoon one point one. It it's it's definitely a, a difficult topic, and you, you know that's why I kind of judge sequels by how they, how they make me feel more than like you know what they physically are. Like mm-hmm. for example, I loved Valkyria Chronicles, and it just meant so much to me, and it it just kind of touched me. And then to I don't expect Valkyria Revolution to be the same game. Like I understand, okay, it has a smaller team, the visuals aren't going to be as nice, et cetera, et cetera. But you go to that, and it's just like. It doesn't give me any sort of the the kind of feeling that I got with Valkyria Chronicles because it's just so bad. So if even like the difference between Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger, I don't like Chrono Cross as a sequel to Chrono Trigger story wise, but it just kind of it still gave me that kind of sense of of like mysticism that I got from Chrono Trigger. So to me, that makes it a valid sequel. That that's what I look for basically because it's really hard to to judge a sequel by its looks and its mechanics alone. I think uh, Destiny 2's problem right now is that it's kind of the worst of both worlds. Um, Like, Katie is... Like, Katie just wrote an article about, like, um, kind of profiling some of the people who are not jumping from Destiny to Destiny 2 because they're just like, (laughs) okay, I was not impressed by the beta, and they're really ticked off by the fact that they can't carry over their loot, which, um, Mm. if I put, like, two two three hundred hours into destiny which is let's be fair a very repetitive and very grindy kind of game and they're like well we're wiping the slate clean uh good luck do it all again in destiny 2 like i I can understand that's like pretty frustrating but at the same time they're not changing it that much ultimately (laughs) from what destiny was so they're making the hardcore fans mad because they're like uh this this is basically like maybe a more streamlined version of destiny where i have to start completely over nice and meanwhile like uh and meanwhile they're not actually changing that much they're not changing dramatically enough to make you go yeah no this is a new experience i want to play um as katie was kind of saying it's mostly kind of like splatoon 2 to be honest like oh, did you, like, peace out of Destiny the first time? Or did you, like, miss Splatoon the first time? Well, uh, here's a mulligan. And <laughs> yeah, you can that, jump that, in that now. That was the exact term I was going to say. I was like, uh, yeah, Destiny 2 feels like uh, when we were there at the Destiny uh, announcement event, it's like, oh, this feels sort of like a mulligan. Like, these are all features that Destiny 1 really should have had. And you guys never added them. And now they're coming to destiny 2 and it's like i mean that's great and all but like don't try to sell like guilds or something to me as this wild (laughs) (laughs) i've been doing that since the freaking first where it's like oh awesome we're introducing this stuff that has been wow and wow for more than a decade now it's a new feature i'm like can you guys like maybe learn the lessons of the previous games just a little bit like these games have existed for a long time now god i was part of a guild when i was played ragnarok online in 2003 it was team discovery channel (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, and then there's people that are upset about the changes they are making. Like, I guess, like, the Hunter class is, like, all sorts of not great or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, there, I don't know, it's a, a lot of what I'm hearing around the Destiny, from, like, the hardcore Destiny fans is that Destiny 2, either one, isn't offering enough, or two, just is, like, it kind of feels like a slap in the face. It's like, you spent all this time in mm-hmm. Destiny 1, well... Let's do it all over again in this new shiny game. Yeah, it's like I can give... Oh, sorry, Mike. I was going to say I can give Splatoon 2 a, a pass because it's a great game, great concept. It was on the Wii U that no one had. So, okay, let's do it over It still sold really again. well, though. It did, but mm-hmm. it was still the Wii U. And, you know, Splatoon 2... Uh, Splatoon, even though you had like stuff that you fought for, that you gathered, it wasn't like grinding for 200 hours then losing everything. Mm-hmm. So I can see yeah. why... And it was all cosmetic and like, yeah. the... I don't know. It it doesn't feel as like like starting over doesn't feel as it doesn't hurt, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Not as yeah. much. Yeah, uh, it's it's like and and like you were you were saying there, Katie. Like the two different sides of of the fandom. It's like people uh, Assassin's Creed, one of my favorites. People like, well, I I don't like the movement system. I wish they would redo it. The problem is they can't redo the movement system whole cloth because veteran Assassin's Creed Creed players like myself like that movement like that's mm-hmm. like what we're used to and if they go too far they lose us mm-hmm. with the potential of not gaining anybody new for mm-hmm. the changes which is it, it's a it's a huge problem pretty much for any 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 developer big or small but for, especially for some of these like major publishers and their internal teams like they have games that sell in the millions and they can't they cannot stray too far off the reservation yeah until until it absolutely fails and some some developers get lucky like Square Enix has somehow worked out especially with Final Fantasy this ability to completely throw away everything from game to game and i think they're one of the few major publishers that are able to do that I think, though, oh. people wouldn't complain too hard if, like, they kept trotting out, say, the the job system um, mm-hmm. and tacking it on to, like, a Final Fantasy VII story and going with traditional turn-based games. Like, I think they're, it's not, quote-unquote, mainstream, but right. there's, like, such a huge nostalgia set that if they announced tomorrow that Final Fantasy XVI is basically going to be final fantasy 7 but with really nice graphics and a new story everybody'd be like at last square enix finally <laughs> figured it out they oh figured out God. what square enix they they stopped messing with the formula they went back to what works i cannot wait i'm this most anticipated game of the year yeah i can totally see that happening because i think if uh i i didn't mind the battle system in 15 but i think if it like went to the trash tomorrow i don't think anyone would weep for it well, I would. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone would. At least, at least not yeah. myself. No. <laughs> your your turncoat, uh, no, Nadia. You've turned. No, on. I I I like it. It's just like you know, I I don't like. My heart isn't committed to it. It uh, works. Am I the only one left? Am I like the last one, like shoring up the blockades and saying that Final Fantasy fifteen was actually like worth playing? I it guess I am. Playing. At I'm least on this team. Not worth playing. Are we having a no. break up here? I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are. I'm. I'm gonna bring up thirteen again. Thirteen has a really good battle system. Just, just FYI, <laughs> in my opinion. Headline: I, Kate, <laughs> Kate, uh, Nadia and Cat now feuding. Blood God and Doubt. 
I think maybe part of the problem is that I'm really into Final Fantasy XII's battle system since playing the HD remake. Uh, so your eyes have been opened. Refined. Your eyes have been opened to the beauty that is Final Fantasy XII. So here's a question that I'm wondering: It's like, what to you is an ideal sequel? A, a game like a sequel that, like, you go, yes, this is the worthwhile sequel, and I would posit that a game that can take what the original did and elevate it somehow and build upon it and find some new way to, to make it go, okay, like here's a foundation. How can we go to the next level with this? And there have been plenty of really phenomenal sequels over the years. Uh, I, I think Super Mario Brothers 3 is a classic example of a game that like took the original formula of Super Mario Brothers and then just blew it out, right? Mm -hmm. Like, expanded it like crazy like now you've got these gigantic worlds that you're exploring with like tons of little things to find and secret exits mm -hmm. and like bowser has kids now and they're airships <laughs> and the graphics are amazing right like that's kind of what i think people want out of the sequel like the core of the game remains the same but more and bigger and smarter and like they're adding in like lots of little things that change the game somehow um, I would say that maybe the best, the game that has the best chance of doing that this year is Shadow of War, a game that not a lot of people, weirdly enough, are paying that much attention to, um, but dramatically changes up the formula of Shadow of Mordor, right? Like mm -hmm. by adding in like these attacks on the towers and everything and making it so that your allies are kind of like friendly nemesis nemeses right like really building on the concept of the nemesis system like i'm actually pretty excited about shadow of war and like what shadow of war can do but i, I am curious like what first of all okay question what is your ideal like a version of a sequel and can you think of a game that you think just like really nailed it as being a sequel katie yeah uh the first thing i can mind is uncharted 2 honestly because i feel like i was just thinking of that yeah the yeah, the first Uncharted is not great. I'll be honest; like, it's not. It's it's like a it's a nice little adventure game, I guess. But like, it doesn't. It's like you're in that same locale like most of the game, and it's just like not like going back to it, especially like having replayed it when the HD collection came out. I was just like, wow, this game does not hold up really. And Uncharted Two is just like right off the bat. It's like there's this huge set piece, and that that game moves at like a really like awesome pace uh it's like basically paced like an action movie and it like improves the combat and the characters are more likable i think and it's it just like improves on uncharted in like every way possible and it's still the best uncharted game in my opinion like it holds up really well um that's like i feel like that's like almost like the pinnacle of like a, what a sequel can do because it's like it's takes you to so, so many locales it really builds on the uncharted formula it like expands its characters but not like too much um it's it's really it's like like the ideal sequel and i feel like that's it's not like what i, I don't expect every sequel to be like uncharted 2 obviously but i feel like that's kind of what a sequel should be is something that improves on its predecessor while bringing something new to the table not well, not necessarily changing what made the original special or whatever. I was going to say Pokemon Gold and Silver is mm -hmm. a great example of yeah. a sequel that like it added day night cycle it added breeding. Um, it made it so you could bring your old monsters in. It like mm -hmm. introduced um, a whole new region that was fun to explore. 
made the graphics a lot better. And then the coup de grace, of course, was that you could go back to the old region and like it actually advanced the story. And like supposedly gold and silver was supposed to be like that this was it like game freak was like well that's the end of pokemon yep we've <laughs> we've like done all we can possibly do with this series and nintendo was like interesting so how much money did we make out of pokemon <laughs> <laughs> yeah mike what what do you think uh i'm gonna go dead space one to dead space two. Oh uh, yeah uh dead space one to dead space two was just the exact amount of like uh, okay, we're going to keep the tension of the corridors, but we're going to give you a, a few different environments. Isaac is going to talk now. We have a little bit more of the story. Um, it was a really, really good sequel. Um, and it's one of those things where I, I, I think another issue is, like, if you do that bigger and better thing, at some point you get to the issue where bigger, it, the Resident Evil problem, Bigger mm. becomes so big that you've lost what the, that original core that that worked. But RE2 was a uh, a great example of a great sequel, right? Right, because RE2 was the first, like step one of Bigger. Mm-hmm. Then you go step two. Then then somehow you end up at RE6, which is <laughs> so big and so out there. That's like you're like, oh wow, we have totally, we have totally. We've lost, lost the, the plot. plot here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was because it was what, trying to build up on RE4, right? Yeah, right. which was a great game. Which is why the better way is probably like almost, say, the Persona games, which I, I guess get bigger, mm-hmm. but really it's more in that let's just change up the, the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, here's the game. Most of this really does work. We may add a new system, but what we're really changing is all of the characters, all of the environments, and the graphics get a bit better. Mm. Persona 5, though, is way different per- yeah. from Persona 4. I'd say Persona 5 is, like, the big leap, but also, like, I don't know where that formula can go from Yeah, Like, I don't know mm. what I'd want out of Persona 6. I feel like Persona 5 kind of, like, perfects that specific formula, whereas the leap from 3 to 4 is really not no. much at all. It's no. Like, no, 3 to 4 yeah. is pretty much like, oh, this is about a different cast. Mm. Yeah better graphics but oh well, well hold five, on a moment like structurally persona 4 is completely different from persona 3 okay like they yeah, do change true. it a lot so in that regard it is different it has a totally different vibe than persona 3 <laughs> like different story and so it's not exactly like they just went well we're doing persona 3 again and yeah, true. this is what i'm talking about the farther you in are in with a game series the more you will notice all it's of true. the structural mm-hmm. And mechanical changes. Yes, like for me, for example, I'd be like, "Man, Madden 12, that was really bad game." That's a Madden 25, total disaster. Madden 17, yeah, pretty good. And people are going, "It's all Madden." (laughs) (laughs) All of the football men are throwing the footballs. Be like, "Yes, but the corner routes are really broken in this one." (laughs) Yeah, like to me, Pokemon looks the same from from thing to thing. And you Mm -hmm. are wrong. (laughs) And you are (laughs) bad. You (laughs) are wrong. Hello. Gen 5 but, forever. But to uh, build off what Mike was saying, that seems to be a Capcom specialty where they do a, 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 they have a good idea and then they just blow it out of the water with the second game and then they ride it to death. Uh, the Mega Man series is a great <laughs> example. Mega Man 1 is okay. Mega Man 2 is, is just, as a sequel goes, is fantastic. You have more bosses, better music, this, this, this and that, better mechanics. Uh, another great example I think less people know of is Mega Man Legends 2. 
which uh, takes the original Mega Man Legends, which is like a really cute original game with like a really interesting story and really adorable characters. And Mega Man 2, uh, Legends 2 just makes it look better, believe it or not. It, the soundtrack's great. Uh, the dungeons are a lot better realized. The enemies are a lot more interesting. And the, the uh, story is also a lot more interesting. Uh, and of course, we all know how to Mega Man Legends 3, so it's not like I can really tell you how that series <laughs> went downhill, can I? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I think it's appropriate that we ended up talking about sequels and what is really a sequel to From Us to You, the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure you have thoughts. So I'm curious, send us on social media or USGamer at USGamerNet. Share your thoughts. What is to you like the perfect example of a great sequel? I mean, Mega Man 2 comes to mind, for example. Um, I'm sure you can think of plenty of others. And conversely, maybe send some ideas of like disappointing sequels, like games that did not build on the promise of the original game, Cough Crackdown 2, Cough. <laughs> In any case, uh, US Gamer, the US Gamer Podcast is, of course, a US Gamer Podcast. You can find us on iTunes right now. We're going to be adding our podcast to Stitcher, Google Play, and all of the others. Maybe we'll try and get it on Spotify. And, of course, you can also find us on SoundCloud. US Gamer Net is the name. And also follow us on Twitter. We are US Gamer Net. Facebook is US Gamer Net. Do us do a favor and like us. We stream every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's Mike and Friends, um, the U.S. Gamer Lunch Hour. Make sure to subscribe to us at twitch.tv slash U.S. Gamer Net. Mike, we can follow you at Automatic Zen, Katie at Katie. That's Y-U-M-E-C-A-T-Y. Kate Nadia at Nadia Oxford. And of course, Kat, that's me, at the underscore Catbot. We will be back once again, every Wednesday from here on out, we're going to be recording a new podcast, the U.S. Gamer Podcast. So make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends we're going to be here and let us know if you would like to see us streaming. Um, we may make this a regular live thing. But thanks to all of the fam at U.S. Gamer for making this podcast a success. I had a lot of fun talking these last 80 minutes um and i'm sure the podcasts are going to get even longer especially once we hit the holiday season but oh in the meantime <laughs> yeah we, we will be back next week thanks everybody for joining us and until next time see ya 